The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game, a show usually about short games, games that respect your time. My name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined this week by one co-host, Shane Kelly. And this week, for a number of reasons, we are discussing Tears of the Kingdom. You may have heard of it. It is a little game released by Nintendo on May 12th of 2023 Mm -hmm. for the Switch console. Uh, Little indie title. You know, we thought there isn't enough coverage of this game. That's not what we're usually covering, but we're allowed. (laughs) We're allowed to do this once in a while. You'll note that our primary host uh reagan is not here and that's because mm-hmm. he cannot be uh in he cannot be asked to play anything that takes more than uh a <laughs> fortnight to complete so yeah. uh so sorry Especially not to you listeners. <laughs> yeah well yeah so i think in true short game fashion you know we're, we're a game of we're a show about fitting games into your life and uh we play a lot of small games but i think usually underneath Sometimes, you know, we're all kind of picking away at, at some larger games. Yeah. When there's something big like this, we always do, yeah. Uh, we've gotten far enough into the game that we feel like we can talk about it. Uh, and, you know, we're only a month and a half past everybody else's coverage of it, which I think is pretty representative of how we tackle these massive games. Oh, yeah. it's And th- this game has everything that our podcast um, is on record standing against, which is uh, a large <laughs> open world, um, tons of collectibles, um, just a uh, it's a it's a big name title from a major developer. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, interesting. But uh, the, for me personally, the reason that I really wanted to cover it is just because it's already eating up all of my gaming time, and I don't have that much else to talk about. Uh, it, and that's because. Um, I I just can't stop playing it. It's a really, really enthralling, really incredible game. Um, and you know, my experience with the original, or I guess previous uh, game in the Zelda, not the original game in the Zelda series, but Breath of the Wild, sure, um, was kind of more in line with how we typically play games for the show, where we're a little bit always ready to move on to the next thing. Um, in breath of the wild, I messed around for, I don't know, I don't know how long, but not that long because I only beat two of the major like divine beast dungeon things Mm -hmm. before I was like, um, Ganon, let's, let's go. And I just charged to Ganon and, and fought him and there was the end of it. Right. Uh, this game, I'm really, I don't, I'm not experiencing it like that. I'm not trying to like push my way through the, the experience is, incredible and it really lines up with a lot of the things that i actually do really like in gaming i don't know what about you what what's got you uh glued to this one <laughs> yeah so i i had a kind of a similar take on breath of the wild although it's funny i actually i consider that game one of my favorite games of all time however i didn't actually beat it i kind of burned i i i, I did all the divine beasts and just sort of like 
burn myself out just exploring the world and going after shrines mm. and things like that. And and we have been doing this show for so long that uh, I think we were four years into this show when Breath of the Wild came out, too. So like you said, you know, we're constantly moving on to the next thing. And at some point, I just felt comfortable putting down Breath of the Wild, even though I didn't technically complete it. But I, I played it enough for, for me. Um, and I'd say the the last month, if, if you noticed, I've not been on the show as much. It's been a it's been a weird uh, a month for me with with what I've been able to spend my time on. But the one thing that I have been able to uh, to commit and sort of pick away at has been uh, Tears of the Kingdom, and I agree completely. I have definitely found this game to be far more enthralling than the last one even though i absolutely Mm -hmm. loved breath of the wild uh and while this game is staggeringly large i do and and as you said pretty counter to basically everything that we typically preach on this show that said i still think that this is a game that respects your time it just you have to have a lot of time to yeah. have played it. So I <laughs> like I don't know if this makes sense. So I, I yeah. spent like several hours one night playing this game, committed just solely to doing some bullshit. I was trying to build a boat, like to get across this thing, and I wanted to like custom build this boat and I wanted to make it fun and go fast. And I spent probably more time on this little stupid thing that I had created in my head that I wanted to do than I have spent on some of my favorite games that we've ever covered on this show. (laughs) I think I spent like a gone homes worth amount of time. (laughs) Just just, turned into you must build a boat. Yeah, right. Of just doing something stupid that really had nothing to do with like driving the game forward. But that was entirely my choice. Like I didn't have to do yeah. that, right? And I had a great time doing it, even though when it was all said and done, I was like, "What the fuck did I just spend all of my my entire evening doing?" But I had a I had a really nice time, and I think a lot of times when we look at these bigger games or when we're playing these bigger games, some of the stuff that drives us crazy is is the like repetitive nature of what you're forced to do and yeah. the repetitive nature of side quests and and all of that it just feels like mm-hmm. bloated whereas this game you really you know what you're doing may not necessarily be particularly exciting but it's all by your choice this is a game that is really full of excitement i, I i'm going to speak kind of to the audience that has I think most people at this point are very well aware of Breath of the Wild. It was one of the most popular games of all time. Um, honestly, if I'm being real with you guys, the reason that I actually dropped it is that I had a kid and I kind of dropped <laughs> everything in my life. It, that, that came out in like um, like uh, 2017 uh, and like 2017 in the summer. That was that was when that happened. So, um, but the this game the um, the thing that it gives you is first off very, very much all the same stuff that you got in the legend of Zelda uh, breath of the wild. Um, the world is practically unchanged, which was an interesting choice. Basically like, you know, the, the whole of Hyrule has like, there's a lot of little 
changes that stand out. I really like the decision that they made. I really like most it, of it too. really, really the same because everybody was giving it shit. But I was like, well, I, I mm-hmm. think it's really compelling. And I think it's a it's a good argument for like, yeah, let uh, your developers focus on fun and interesting yeah. mechanics and dynamics. And well, like, let's let's start with yeah. diving into like the world of the game, because yeah. the places, the ways that it is different um, are really interesting to me so they they start off in the advertising um they tell you hey you're going to be on sky islands right it says explore the land of hyrule and the skies above right Mm -hmm. um and that's where you start off the alternative to the you know great plateau is this great sky island um where you learn all of the tools that you're going to be using i'll talk more about those but um the the biggest addition really is pretty much unmentioned in yeah. the marketing, which I, I love. And it's the depths because we go from having the surface world of Hyrule to having the skies, the surface and this enormous underworld, which I, I personally predict that um, in a few years, the depths is going to be the most influential element to like future open world games from this mm. game. Um, there are a lot of things this game does well and the depths isn't even my favorite aspect of this game, but what they do with the depths is you basically take the surface of Hyrule and take all of the high points and make them low, make all the low points high, uh, make it like it, it are aesthetically. It has this weird, like Nausicaa Valley of the wind look to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they, um, fill it with bandits. Yeah, and they feel it was slightly more dangerous, like tweaked enemies and lots of really good, valuable resources so that you do want to go down there. And for everything that's in the surface world, they put in some tweaked version of it down below, like where you have the shrines on the surface, you have light roots to light up the depths. Uh, The fact that it is pitch black makes the exploration super cool and exciting. Um, And terrifying. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, w- I was playing in the depths last night and Molly had gone to bed and I was like in a really spooky part. I had not spent a ton of time in the depths and she was like trying to we have a bunch of those hue lights around uh, our house, you mm-hmm. know, and she was trying to set something up with it and inadvertently like rapidly turned off on and off all the lights mm. in the room that I was playing <laughs> in the depths. And that's fine. I was like legitimately for a moment, like extra spooked because I was already a little bit on edge exploring yeah. around in the depths. The, uh, the enemies that they put down there, not only is it the like tweaked versions of the monsters, but, um, in the first game, you knock the leader of the Yiga clan into a big hole in the ground. And turns out he's just been down there <laughs> building an army of, of all kinds of stuff. Anyway, uh, yeah. so the depths, I absolutely love um, uh, the 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 world of the game is uh, like the same but different. The Sky Islands and the depths are both places that are full of like really good resources. And these are games where there's a lot of crafting, like the cooking system from the original game comes back. Basically, they brought back everything from the original game. Yeah. But I I, I am a sucker for... I think I may be the only person on the podcast that is a sucker for games with lots of crafting. I don't know if that's you or not. 
yeah, yes and no. So I like it in theory, but I rarely find myself interacting with these systems. So like, for example, I was super stoked about Fallout 4 and the crafting system that was mm-hmm. coming out in Fallout 4, specifically the base building. I got that just seemed like the perfect addition to Fallout 4. And then I kind of played with it, but ultimately got pretty bored with it and completely. Yeah, well, that system kind of sucked anyway. <laughs> well, that's fair. I, you know, maybe not the best example because it's a bad system, but like, you know, I, I always want to like it, but I never dive into them very deeply. I mm-hmm. uh, this game, however, I I love I do really enjoy the resource gathering and and uh um cooking system. I think mm-hmm. it's there's something just s- fun and satisfying about it. Yeah, they make it. it easy enough and delightful enough. Um, yeah. and and it's um like it's a little expanded from what it was before and there's a lot of um uh it's also like like a lot of the elements of this game um it's kind of a little bit optional like you can pretty much just eat whatever you find lying around. Um but you can get cool status buffs and things like that. I think the game is just, I I think it's actually an interesting balance because I, at least for me personally, and this is absolutely a, your mileage may vary Mm -hmm. sort of thing. But like for me, I think that the combat is just challenging enough across Mm -hmm. the full expanse of the game that I feel like it's worthwhile to, to craft these meals that stat buff me for whatever it is that I'm going to be doing. So I enjoy mm-hmm. trying to gather attack stat stuff or uh, defense up stuff or, or I just get hit enough that I need to have a, a like a good reserve of heart restoring food yeah. because I'm not, I'm not good enough at this game at the combat to like do a, like a clean sheet on these things. I, like, I totally agree. <laughs> like every time I get punched in this game, I immediately go into the menu and eat a 12 course meal. Um, <laughs> yeah. My Zelda, uh, a good thing you do a lot of running in this game because, yeah. uh, my, my link, I'm, I'm so sorry. My link is, uh, we're just sure. cramming these omelets and, uh-huh. uh, and these wild rice bowls. And mm-hmm. I, I love to like, I love to think about the like, you know, RP elements of like stopping mid fight to eat like three full meals mm-hmm. before you, you swing yeah. your sword again. <laughs> and that, that is, that is where this lines up with, um, there's a, another series where you'll frequently eat massive amounts of food, uh, in the middle of fights. And that's the elder scrolls series. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I really am starting to see some interesting, similarities between this and the elder scrolls and maybe even pushing into um games that i have always really loved um like like the dishonored series or prey yeah Yeah. and i i've not played prey but i do love the dishonored games yeah um so in in those games they're really characterized by giving you um, an enormous amount of freedom in terms of how you approach things, right? Um, mm-hmm. That's the kind of immersive sim style. I wouldn't say the Elder Scrolls is exactly an immersive sim, but it has some of the elements like a a consistent world, um, an open-ended puzzle and quest solving 
where you can approach things in lots of different ways. Um, yeah, I think with like an Elder Scrolls, you're the way they allow you to approach things differently is your character creation, right? Mm-hmm. Like you might approach this as a wizard or you might approach this as a bruiser and, you know, mm-hmm. but that said, it usually is like you, you have to kill this guy and whether you're going to kill him with wizard spells or with, uh, with, you know, your sword or whatever, like the end result is typically the same, but mm-hmm. the way you go about it can be wildly different totally. depending on how you totally. build your character. But Breath of the in Wild. Games and, like uh, Dishonored, like that yeah. gets turned up to 11. You know, your every encounter probably has multiple ways you can approach it. Fight, sneak, use yeah. some weird combination of different abilities. Um, you know, there's there's a classic thing in Dishonored where you can like, you know, grab an enemy and throw them at another enemy to block yeah. their shot and take over their body and stop time and teleport all these different ways to get through your, your different um, challenges player freedom like that. And the ability to approach things in lots of different ways is a really key aspect for lots of different modern games, especially open world games. And I would say breath of the wild really gave players an incredible amount of freedom, particularly with its like, physics system but even other like overlapping systems like its weather patterns like the survival stuff um Mm -hmm. and that is what made breath of the wild really interesting for a lot of speedrunners. you'll see clips online of the speedrun approaches for breath of the wild where it's like you know you you the timer starts and you immediately knock down a tree and then turn it into some sort of physics catapult that um, <laughs> fires you like yeah. a ray gun bolt through the heart of Ganon, right? So, um, but Tears of the Kingdom really, really doubles down on that. Um, and I, let's kind of talk for a second about these new abilities that Link has. Um, the abilities that you get um, are first off a ability called Ultra Hand, which basically lets you pick up, move, and attach any of the random physics object junk uh, that populates Hyrule, right? Yeah, which I, you know, when the when the um, the trailers and teasers and whatnot were coming out, like this mm-hmm. is this is the you know the big feature. Now that it's expanded on significantly with the different Zonai devices, but ultimately, mm-hmm. like this is the bread and butter of of like what makes this game so different and new. Uh, and when all the trailers were coming out, honestly, I was a little worried about it because I'm like, this looks like it's going to be the clunkiest I know. piece of shit thing. Like, I don't want to have to like, I it's don't so want to have to that you say that because like the, the, um, ascend ability in the very first trailer that they showed the uh, only ability i think you saw was link flying up through a platform using the ascend ability and i was like what the hell is that (laughs) (laughs) like like crawling swimming through oh it's a nightmare for if you if you have any sort of like claustrophobia or any sort of like uh just the way he like and like then like <laughs> swims through the rocks and it uh-huh. seems like it's a little difficult to get in and out like i don't know it sounds horrible but the uh the point i was going to say though is that like ultra hand you know in classic 
good Nintendo fashion. When where Nintendo gets it right, they it's it's about as polished as a yeah. goofy system like this can be. And generally speaking, it's pretty smooth on like if you know what you want to do you can do it with a mm-hmm. relative degree of of smoothness like th- there's definitely some clunkiness don't get me wrong and i want to talk about the controls later but like it, it's it, for what you're doing the ability to like, yeah. pick up just about anything and attach it to something else and then have it stay attached and respond with its own physics going forward it's pretty incredible and yeah. and 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 that is where you're talking about player choice too where like one of the things i love about this game is you know when we were saying like in an elder scrolls you may talk to your friend and be like oh well i fought that dragon as a wizard so i use these spells it was awesome like oh i fought it as an archer i use these things it was awesome da, da, da. and this it's like how did you get to the other side of that river and you know me i spent a stupid amount of time building a stupid little boat that like barely worked and took forever and then someone I else swam was like, and ate three yeah almost halfway across. <laughs> yeah or like oh you didn't like you built i built a bridge up by chopping down yeah. like 30 trees in the area and it's like just completely different uh solutions to a problem uh, and, and in the shrines, too, where you have to, you know, they set you up to build these things. Molly and I have been playing like separately, but we at a similar pace. And so I'll watch her go and do a puzzle and like her. The thing she's building is just like a completely different yeah. than how I built it. And I, it's it's really interesting for something that is as beginner friendly as it is. It It really has some hands-on complicated gameplay uh, in that that building element like because it's not just like sticking stuff together really um you unlock this whole auto build ability and there's a big focus on um most crafting games are focused on base building and that's not what this is this is really focused on vehicle building which is awesome Um, yeah or or like temporary solution building but yeah vehicles are are the are the main thing Mm-hmm. And the, the, including the planes, which is mm-hmm. fucking crazy, which is you amazing. Planes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, you know, the 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 thing about uh, the sort of sandbox experience that you have with these puzzles is like it does give you lots of different ways to approach it. I I have I have seen I, I really like when you have that moment where you're faced with a puzzle and there's an obvious but kind of, you know, onerous solution you know that's oh, okay i'm gonna have to chop down some trees and then stick them together and uh make something that slides down this way or whatever um well I, i'll give you an example there's a there's a shrine um that was all about like building something that would kind of move along these rails through the air um mm-hmm. well instead of moving the rails around and building something that will slide on the rails um i just strapped a uh, rocket to my shield and like shield surfed along the rails and that works just fine. You know, like there are lots of different things you can do. Um, the, the finding a shortcut through the puzzles is just as satisfying as solving them. If not more. Um, I, I think 
let's talk a second about Zonai devices because that rocket is one of them. They're really my favorite addition to the game. Um, and they're a big part of the vehicle building and everything. Um, mm-hmm. You get access to uh, primarily at the at first um, from the Sky Islands these big gachapon machines <laughs> that yeah, are like a big gumball machine that spits I out. I love that they did toys. that. You get to so sell. They're just like they, you know. They, I'm sure in development they were like, all right, how do we make sure the player has access to these? tools these devices that we want them to have and there's probably some like discussion around like narrative inclusion and like treasure chest development and and like you know monsters dropping them and whatnot which they kind of do but ultimately they just land on no let's do a gigantic like cartoon gumball machine that you drop a a pretty uh, easy to find resource into and it it, mm-hmm. Like Link even goes like, yay, you know, like a little like a little woo, like so a little, good. like a little jump and punch in the air when all of the little gumballs come rolling out. It's so funny. Super. It's like it's it's such a good choice, though. It's like I don't want to I don't want to have to like dig around for these things. I just want to have them. And and it's like a good example, especially in a zone. I know just saying do something fun. You know, they really prioritized stuff that would be instantly recognizable, especially for kids. And like yeah. they, that, that works there. So these these objects, I don't know how many there are. There's a lot of different There's variations. A lot. Yeah. Um, and some of them are things like a fan um, emitters for different elements like fire, ice. Uh, there's wheels of different kinds. There's wings. There's all sorts of different things that you can stick together. Um, to make your different devices and you can even do things like um, there's like carts that will automatically roll towards enemies or heads for your constructs that will automatically look to face enemies and with a combination of different things you can make really complex gadgets Um, there's almost nothing that is more satisfying than building a murder robot and sending it rolling towards a bunch of bokoblins. Super fun. <laughs> hilarious. I, I'm sure you've seen there's that subreddit Hyrule Engineering where I did, you yeah. know, people are are posting their their best things and, and like people are making like like ship like airplanes with like sub drop ships that they and and drones that they're able to fire off and release that are firing rockets uh all of this in a zelda game it's absurd it's crazy the complexity is uh is really incredible when you see it but also the simplicity of some of the basic things like one of the first things that you want to do when you have access to these Zonai devices, and then especially the auto build ability, is just make yourself a really good do it all flying vehicle. Um, I I saw someone else's design for a easy hover bike, and I have been using the hell out of it. Um, nice. Everywhere I go, I you know it's it really gives you a huge amount of freedom uh, to be able to fly around. Um, and all of these systems are kind of interacting and, and interlocking. You need to have this resource zonite that you can only get in the depths. Uh, you need to, you know, so there's lots of different um, overlapping systems, which to me is is the 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 key to what makes this feel like a uh, immersive sim. Is that there's 
all of this freedom. You can approach things in so many different ways, uh, fly over the Bokoblin camp, jump out of your hover bike, um, fire bomb flowers down at them, um, freeze them, uh, electrocute them. <laughs> um, and, and all of that is, you know, and interacting with all these other overlapping systems like the weather, um, and the different, attach a korok to a rocket and fire it into the Mm -hmm. sun yeah Yeah. we haven't even talked about my favorite uh, um ability in the game which is none of the ones we've discussed so far it's the it's the rewind ability yeah um that one is so basically if something has moved in the game you hit rewind on it and it's going to retrace its steps back like if you pick up a rock and walk across the field and then hit rewind it'll hop up and then sort of shuffle back uh, in the exact same path that you that you used, and there are so many fun and interesting ways to use that ability. Um, like there's, um, I I don't remember exactly when this happened, but the sky islands are kind of breaking apart, and you see these rocks falling, and then at a certain point, uh, you realize, oh, I can just climb on that rock and hit rewind. And the rock goes all the way back up to the sky island that it fell off of. And that's, I mean, that's not creativity, but it's not, it's not spelled out for you that you should do this. Mm -hmm. Um, The airplanes and vehicles and all of that stuff using rewind on those is often really useful. Um, It's used very effectively in lots of puzzles. It's really a fun ability to have. Yeah, they, that is one that I think, they have done some good work with as far Mm -hmm. as like classic Zelda puzzles. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like the, the puzzles in this game are just like breath of the wild. They're like reduced down to these shrines. And then the temples kind of have a little bit of them, um, which I want to talk about the temples in a minute, but the ability to like rewind something, I always forget about it too. I don't know why, even though I agree with you, it's fantastic. I'll beat my head against a puzzle for Mm -hmm. 10 minutes and be like, Oh damn it. I just need to rewind that bubble. And then I can fly. I can ride in that bubble and it'll take me where I want to go. One of the things that I love the most is combining it with the ultra hand. Like you're trying to get to some hard to reach place and you can pick something up, like lift it, way up high over to where you want to go and then drop it and then just ultra stand on top of it before, before rewinding it to use it to, to get to reach high places. Stuff like that is super satisfying when you find the right moments for it. Yeah. I mean, it's truly incredible that the the Zelda has essentially just become a physics game. It makes Mm -hmm. me wonder for the future of the franchise because like I really liked what they did with this game as far as reusing the world. There's some continuity in the story and there's some continuity in the world. Weird omissions from continuity in the story. Well, the story I want to talk. There are some things that I think are, are not great about this game and story for Zelda has never been strong. No, it's never been good, but this one is particularly uh, annoying. But anyway, um, the, uh, I really liked the continuity of the world and what it allowed them to do with the expansion of mechanics and the expansion of like the polish of the game. Uh, But I do wonder like, is this just Zelda going forward or is it now Zelda is a physics crafting game or are we going to see a return to, uh, you know, the previous attempts of the more, 
linear uh, uh, 3D Zeldas. Like, it, it, I think we do. I yeah, think this I, is kind of a high watermark for uh, this version of, of Zelda. I, I think so, too. I don't too. think they will abandon the classic, like, st- structure. The, the, the classic st- structure for Zelda is a lot more linear, adventure-based, and that's still a super satisfying, great kind of game. Yeah. People would hate giving that up, uh, but this is this is so different and fresh. It's um, it's very very unique. Well, it was pretty lofty. I I think a most like at least myself, and I feel like a lot of people felt like there's no real way they could make something better than Breath of the Wild in that format. Uh, and then surprise, surprise, only took six years of development, and again reusing a ton of the same assets, but. They did. I think that this is a better game than than Breath of the Wild. Um, but I will now say it again, feeling even more confident that like I don't think they could or that the right move is to basically try to make like Breath of the Wild three. I, I'm what this really feels like to me in that line is they they saw the speedrun community doing all this weird stuff with things like the Magnesis ability. Um, and the, I forget the stasis ability and they even, you know, you could even maybe see a little bit of the like weird modding stuff. The first game had a really good physics engine, like much better than it even seemed like it needed in order to get by. And then they spent like those six years, the tools that they've given us for manipulating the world in this version of the game are feel a lot like them trying to create the easy handholdy versions of dev tools to hand Mm. to like in particular i remember hearing a story about the ascend ability and that the ascend ability was the uh was a an ability that they had that they had put in for like when you were bug testing the game or something like that um, and it was just really easy to just, you know, you're in a cave or whatever, you hit a button and boom, you just go up through the roof and you're out, right? Yeah. So uh, the Ascend ability was one example that is a direct line from like dev tools to the like, gameplay elements. But being able to pick up and move and manipulate all of these objects in every dimension um, with a great deal of like, um, like control... Uh, that feels a little bit like a dev tool as well. And it just feels like they wanted to go all out, giving you as much control as they could over this game and, and, and the world just to see how far people could push it, which, I mean, it's Clearly. a very cool direction, but I don't yeah. see how you could go all the way with that. I don't see how you could go a lot farther in that direction. Um, you could come up with a bunch of new dungeons and, and things like that, but the, how do you make tools that give you more control over the world than being able to like pick up almost everything. Yeah. I, I imagine that, uh, there's hardware limitations as well. You know, like uh, I, I think there's certainly more that they could do, but probably not with the Nintendo switch. Right. You know, that's a good point. And, and then also with, uh, you know, you're talking about like breath of the wild, you know, that was 2017. We were also amazed at stuff that has now become even, you know, somewhat ubiquitous in gaming. Like I remember being truly like floored that I was fighting a Bokoblin. 
I knocked the sword out of its hand and it went and picked up like a floorboard from a thing that I, you know, from, from its little shack or whatever and started fighting yeah. me with that, you know, and it was like that, that interactivity with the world felt so new. And then, yeah, now they're like, well, you're used to that. So what if mm-hmm. now you as the player can basically control everything, but it is still, it's still kind of limited. You can't do any, everything. I, I, I totally agree with you on like the AI of the enemies in the original game being a huge part of the appeal. Like they, they really managed to come up with um, really interactive and uh, enemies. And there was a lot of stuff like, you know, status effects and things like that. that you know, yeah. That's all. That's another highlight of immersive Sims is having kind of predictable, but also really interesting and capable uh, AI for your enemies so that you support the different kinds of gameplay like stealth and whatever. Um, this game really doubles down on that aspect too. First off, there's a lot more enemy variety. There are, um, the first game had like, I don't know, a bunch of different colors of Bo Coblin. <laughs> um, this game has like, they come in lots of different sizes. Um, <laughs> it is still mostly Bo Coblins and, yeah. and, and, <laughs> and Moblins and Lasalva. They've added a lot. They've added, yeah. they've added several. Um, so the, uh, the big famous enemy from the first one was the uh, the Lionel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was like the hardest enemy in the game. Th- they're still here, but they've added a lot more of these like boss class enemies um, and really cool interactions. Like I really love there's a there was the Talus, which is a big stone guy. Now they have yeah. that, but they have the battle Talus, which has been colonized by Vokoblins and they've got yeah, Vokoblins swarming all over it. It's pretty funny. Um, there's the Gleok is like a flying three headed dragon, really strong new enemy. Um, well, the- Gleoks have existed before, but not in uh, breath of the wild. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so lots of really good new enemy variety. And on top of that, there's the gloom versions of all of them in the depths, mm-hmm. which is, is uh, I, I think adds to it. And then the, the way that you can interact with a lot more of the, you, know, you can com- combine objects using another ability we haven't mentioned, which is the fusion where you can combine your shield and weapons with objects that you find in the world that really spices up uh, the combat with, with the enemies yeah. as well, because it adds a lot of variety to different kinds of statuses you can use different weird weapons, stuff like that. Yeah, there's funny new weapons, too, where it's like, this sword is better when it's wet. It's like, all right, well, I didn't know I needed that, but that's fine. Uh, they've also added, you know, some some new simple pleasures. One of my favorite things in this game is now uh, you'll be out in the, the plains and you may encounter a, a group of, of Bokoblins. In the previous game, there'd maybe be one on a horse, maybe a couple on the horse. This time now there's a horse pulling a wagon and that wagon is full of bokoblins and a simple bomb arrow into the dead center of that wagon creates hilarious chaos as the entire thing explodes and bokoblins go flying everywhere. And it's just like, you know, I was just trying to go from here to there. I was not looking for anything. And all of a sudden I had one of the funniest most simply fun things I've had in that game. Uh, all because a bunch of Bo Coplins in a wagon is 
a funny setup and ripe for silly combat. Well, I, that is one of my favorite moments as well. I like those emer- emergent moments in between places. Yeah. Um, I, one of the things I really like is running into these big troops of Bokoblins. Instead of just being stuck in their little camps, now sometimes you'll see the boss Bokoblin, which is like a massive it's fat version big. of the book up yeah. yeah um and like followed by a troop of little little buddies kind of walking <laughs> along and they always have um like one of them will be carrying a backpack full of stuff and the, the those interaction those fights are i feel like just a lot better uh kind of emergent gameplay than you had in the first one. Uh, it, it's I, my favorite is when you catch the guy with the backpack uh, who happens to have a backpack full of bombs. There's almost nothing as satisfying <laughs> as lighting that dude up. I mean, that's been a that's been uh, you know that has been a universal truth in video games for a long time. Someone with a an ex, with a a uh, flammable backpack, mm-hmm. whether it's a, a World War One or Two game with flamethrowers, or now a Bokoblin, uh, and uh, with a backpack full of bomb flowers. It's it's lately <laughs> lately my jam has been um, so they still have the weapon durability system, and like in the first game. Uh, if your weapon is about to break, it'll let you know and be flashing red. And uh, like your last hit with that weapon that breaks it, it will deal lots of extra damage. Mm-hmm. I think it's like a multiplier. Um, if you have a weapon that's about to break uh, and you fuse a rocket to it, um, the and then just throw it, the <laughs> explosion from the rocket gets the multiplier and the rocket yeah so you can like those some of those big guys you can you can take them out in one hit that way (laughs) which is super fun and you just because the rocket kind of moves in a straight line it's it's a nice long range um drone attack (laughs) it's very very good i didn't know about that that's awesome i love the ability to fuse things to your uh to your bow and arrow which obviously zelda has had like that has existed in versions of mm-hmm. Zelda for a long time. Um, but with this version now where you can fuse every material that you pick up and it will have some degree of impact on the arrow uh, is a ton of fun. They added the like now you can uh, fuse an uh, Aarakocra, not Aarakocra, that's D&D, uh, Aracuda, the, the, yeah. the flying guys, Arakis. You can fuse their wings to uh, or their eyeballs to yeah. an arrow, which creates now a homing arrow. Super which, useful. Yeah, incredibly useful. Uh, there, There's a lot of flying enemies in this game and being able to fire homing shots at them yeah. is is satisfying. I like that, especially when you have the um, the keys that have those element. Uh, like there's a fire keys and an ice keys yeah. and stuff. And when you're fighting stuff that has like an elemental affinity to it, like the, um, the Gliok heads will be like elemental. Um, you can hit those with the right, like opposing element, like fire and ice and Pokemon rules. Yeah. Pokemon rules. And you know, super effective, <laughs> just like Pokemon. <laughs> uh, yeah. So all of that stuff is, is really, really great. I, I'm one of my favorite like fusion interactions that I figured out is I was kind of missing 
the cryonis ability which would let you like make uh freeze water in the in the first mm-hmm. game um they have these like ice fruit that you can th- if you throw like an ice fruit in the water it will now it'll freeze like a little square yeah. in the water or same t- thing with lava but with the ice if you um if you fuse that block of ice that appears when you freeze the water to your weapon or your shield, both are super useful. Um, if you fuse it to your weapon, it creates a, uh, it gets this like big, like slab of ice on the end of your weapon, which if you slash with the weapon makes a gust of wind. And if you hit somebody with it, it, um, it like freezes them. So nice. That becomes super fun because you can freeze them and then, uh, use the wind to like slide them off of a cliff. (laughs) super cool and then of course uh sticking the ice on your shield uh makes it really good for sliding around um and you know it's pretty easy to get more ice because you just you know use your ice weapon on the water again you get another chunk of ice which lets you very easily walk across the water so another alternative to the giant tree bridge yeah yeah i uh I think this one got pretty popular on the internet right when the game came out. But uh, you can fuse a minecart, a full-on mm-hmm. minecart, to your <laughs> shield. Yes. And then shield surfing is in this game. But if you have a minecart attached to your shield, you basically have a little skateboard. So you Sweet. can uh, Tony Hawk yourself just anywhere you want. I totally love all of this stuff. And and it's it's really fun to like discover this stuff yourself. It can be just as fun to see what other people are doing. So you mentioned that Hyrule engineering subreddit. Um I I really like some of the stuff I've seen on there. People are coming up with weird discoveries all the time, like because there's so many different objects in this game that you can use. Like like a week ago, I saw somebody had figured out that you could um uh, you could snap off a part of a railing in one of the shrines and then you could, because that object happened to have a really low weight, but a really wide uh, size, like it made for a really good spacer in your flying hover bike, things like that. Like that turns nice. out to be yeah. a lot of ex- fun experimentation. The, the The sort of thing where people doing weird catapult maneuvers in the first game. Like you're going to see cool stuff like that. I, yeah. I suspect with the, the height and the depth of this game and the physics mm-hmm. and all these devices, it, it, it's, it's truly an open playground uh, more so than I think. I, I think it, it rivals what we've been able to see people do in like a game like Minecraft. You know, mm-hmm. where these interlocking systems uh, and I, I I really appreciate what Nintendo's managed to accomplish. Fucking, you know, Nintendo, they drive you crazy with so much stuff all of the time. And then they put this game out and you're like, all right, well, you did it again. It's a classic. It's immediately a classic. <sighs> yeah, totally. Totally love it. I am. I am three. um of the shrine, not shrines of the, uh, what do you call the temples, big, big temples in. Um, and, uh, I, I hear there's actually five. So yeah, I'm at two and 
I really, it's so interesting to me, one of the things they've done this time. So the temples in uh, Breath of the Wild is the Divine Beasts, still pretty pared down as far as what we think of when we think of a Zelda temple. Uh, and in this one, the temple, the, at least the ones that I've done, the temples themselves, when you actually get to the thing that says, like, the wind temple or the water temple, it's even more pared down. They're very, very small. But the act of getting to the temple is a whole new thing that I have not felt in a in a Zelda game. It, we're doing platforming and uh i really don't want to i know we're we're not this this episode is very timely but i don't want to we're already getting close to an hour but but um yeah but just like the effort that you have to go through to get to these temples Mm -hmm. i i think is really interesting and and a fun switch from what they did in breath of the wild uh so i really have been enjoying them my my favorite was the wind temple in terms of getting to it. The yeah, have yeah. you done that one? Yeah, yes, it's, that's an incredible experience of of just yeah. getting up there. It's uh, th- they really make use of the height and depth of the world. The whole uh, wind here. temple th- that boss fight was awesome mm-hmm. too. That's the best one I've I've best boss I've fought in the game so far for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I do have a couple criticisms that i want to throw at this game they're not i'm i'm absolutely loving this game i've kind of already touched on them a little bit one i don't know what the solve for this is but the amount of times i've hit the wrong button on what with what i'm trying to do mm-hmm. is like insane like the every button does like nine different things and it all depends on if you're holding one button versus another one mm-hmm. i don't even know if this is necessarily a criticism because obviously there's an, an insane amount of systems here but it is constant with the amount of shit they've crammed into the week and or into the into the switch control i think that, that I'm, i kind of agree with you on this and I think the fix would be to have better remapping options. The game has very, very minimal options for yeah. that. Like, um, and I feel for people that have like any accessibility issue yeah. on this game because I think you can switch like X and A or whatever. Um, I think you can do a little bit of switching of that around, and that's it as far as I'm aware. So, yeah, um, it's it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, secondly, I think I I. Uh, I appreciate that this game really puts an emphasis on draw distance. And there is some times in this game where you're like, this is a stunning view, you know, like what a, what a beautiful game this is. But there's also a lot of times in this game where it's like, Oh my God, this was made on hardware that was developed in like 2016. Like do be chugging sometimes. Yeah. And it looks muddy and it's like, Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously like there's really no loading so you're able to just travel this massive world freely which is incredible but it just looks kind of gross a lot at least playing the switch it, two cannot come fast uh, yeah this is more a criticism on their uh like hardware development because the the game they're doing everything they can with it but like especially i felt like down in the depths or in some of the like some of the temples like it just the textures look bad 
I've been playing a lot of this on handheld. I'm sure it looks better on the even on the OLED switch, which I don't have. So I'm I, playing I it on know. a great big 4K screen. And let me tell you, you can see a lot of these issues real well. <laughs> it, yeah, it, uh, it it looks beautiful and horrible at the same time. Uh-huh. And then finally, these cut scenes and the, this localization and the right, like, again, you said it before and I've reiterated yeah. it. Zelda is not known for the for the story or for the or any of this. But there's a lot of it in this game. And especially when you're doing the temples, everything is set up with cutscene after cutscene after cutscene. Yeah. And, and they give you the same. This is my biggest issue is they give you the same cutscene every time you unlock one of, or complete one of the things you get the sages. <laughs> they give you the exact same spiel again about the war or whatever. And it's like, come on, I've heard this. I before. know. Yeah, I think it's because it's because you can do them in any order and they want you to mm-hmm. like, you know, you, you you might be hearing it for the first time, but they needed to solve for that somehow because it is excruciating. And all of the little your little pals are these mm-hmm. like over the top childlike anime characters that you rapidly I learn them about off immediately. Yeah, Uh, you know, you they have some sort of inner turmoil that you both learn about immediately. You are overexposed to whatever this little turmoil is, uh, whether it's Sidon and his and his relationship with his wife or uh, or the little bird friend and his like naughtiness and how he's, you know, coming of age story. Little bird friend gets a pass from me. He's the only one, though. It, they just it, it's it's like am i su- what should i have known any of this am i supposed Story, to care about uh, any no. of it? it it's it's really bad it like I, I find myself just clicking through cutscenes, and that's not a good feeling in mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. in any game that said there is one element of the story that's working well for me and that is the um i don't i can't spoil this but as you go around, there's these uh, geo geoglyphs. I think is yeah. the word they use. Yeah. These like uh, images on the ground, and as you find them, you're unlocking um, kind of an out of order puzzle of uh, cutscenes uh, about what happened to Zelda and where she is. That story actually works pretty well for me. There are some yeah. weird issues with it. Um, but yeah, but as a story that works pretty pretty darn well um i am i am still story wise mystified by um what people do and don't seem to remember about all the stuff that happened in the last game <laughs> um, yeah. because all of the technology from the um the Sheikas. Sheikah is gone um, they renamed yeah. their iphone um <laughs> to something yeah. new yeah. Uh the Sheikah Slate is now the Pura Pad. Pura uh, Pad. Pe- yeah. Uh there's a lot of stuff that's like a little incongruous there. Uh but like I said, it's like who cares? The story in a Zelda game is mostly like, does he get the sword? <laughs> yes he does. I know, but which is fine. I, I that's have you got you got the sword yet, by the no, way? No, not yet. No. Okay. Um, that actually that element of it, I found that's maybe the most effective uh 
story element that they've done in either of the two games, Breath of the Wild okay. or Tears of the Kingdom. Well, I look forward to that. And and really, my thought is like, yeah, it's a Zelda game. I don't need any of this. I don't need all of my sages to have little like full cut scenes about their relationship with their partner or the or their feelings towards their moms and their dads and like it, it just it's kind of driving me crazy and i i, I yeah. find it com- it's if it wasn't so long and so did much, you get uh minaru yet i don't think so no okay i've so done the wind in the you, water Tim. you've gotten all the ones that are super annoying and none of the ones that are cool <laughs> <laughs> that, maybe that's it maybe in a in six months when i get to the yeah. to the rest of this game i'll i'll feel differently about it but like I don't know. And the voice acting is kind of making me laugh. I love Matt Mercer. Everyone loves Matt Mercer. I love that he does like half of the characters and they all just sound like Matt Mercer talking. <laughs> uh, at first, I thought it was a mine. I thought it was like, oh, it's going to be like this character's actually this character because their voices are. And it's like, no, it's just Matt Mercer and he's doing all the voices. Uh, so I, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. You know, I Uh, I was really surprised that they had him for Ganon. Like, that's like it's like (laughs) he's like a super recognizable voice actor. And I mean, yeah, Yeah, you're going to want like one of the big name voice actors, I guess. But and he's not doing an affectation. It just sounds like Matt Mercer. (laughs) I mean, they gave him some real good laughs. I'll I'll say that. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. Uh, The Zelda voice actor is like the most exasperated voice. He's just like like link the whole time she she always yeah. has been i think when they did her audition they were like um can you look can can you can you deliver all of your lines sounding like super breathy and worried and she's like <laughs> yes i hope <laughs> i hope that i can i'll do the, my best and you get the blood moon like link the blood moon yeah Anyway, I love the blood moon, man. I don't know what it yeah. is about the blood moon. Every time the blood moon happens, I'm like, yeah, blood moon. It's particularly creepy when it happens and you're in the depths. Because yeah. like it's already creepy down there. Then the then the ground starts getting all oh, yeah. wiggly and, and weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to talk about with this game? Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like by the time I beat it, maybe. Um, I, I think we've pretty yeah. much covered it. I, I'm very still, I'm very much still positive on it. And, uh, Oh yeah, I, absolutely. I am <laughs> all the stuff I'm saying about the story. Remember that the story is like five minutes out of every, like, I think it's a little hour. bit more than that, but I, but I, but yes, I agree with you. Like I left all of these criticisms for the end yeah. because they are not my predominant feeling, but I feel like this game has only been heaped with praise and there's been a few things that have like stuck out to me that I wanted to talk about on the, on the show. Um, but by and large, it's, I think it's an instant classic and, and oh, yeah. is, is, you know, I don't play a lot of long games. Uh, obviously it's like the whole stick of our show and I have had a hard time, not just playing this game because it's yeah, awesome. It's yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Reagan has is not playing it, and I am. Make, I hope that listening to this doesn't make him want to, because uh, he has to spend yeah. all of that time editing. 
Laura <laughs> hasn't played it either, but I know yeah. she she's chomping at it. Uh, yeah. So we'll do, but maybe they'll do their own, uh, you know, Reagan and Laura episode later uh, with the two of them playing it. Um, well, listeners, I would like to know: um, Are you playing this game? Um, get any cool tips for us? Any weird stuff that we missed? Uh, it's huge. I'm sure we did. Um, if you have anything you want to tell us, we are on every social media known to man except for Instagram because Instagram is not very podcast uh, friendly. How do you show a picture of a podcast? Uh, but you can find us um, and all of our socials at shortgame.fm. 